or you know the town was trying to buy the land and the nonprofit would be forming it was so exciting um, and to watch it happen so quickly was just such a inspiring beautiful thing i mean it's really it is a family mountain and i think that so many people grew up going there and they have such a connection of learning to ski there that they really wanted to like band together to bring this mountain back and they did it. It has been amazing to watch that happen. Hello, fellow Powderhounds, and welcome to the Powderhounds Podcast, a ski trivia game podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Shaw. This episode, recorded on Friday, January 22nd, 2021, features a conversation about Mount Escutney, Vermont. Longtime friends Lindsay, Ray, and Sean share stories of learning to ski at Mount Escutney, the long and bumpy road as a commercially operated ski area to its current four-season identity and nonprofit operation, Mount Escutney Outdoors. Fun ski trivia games also await, as does a hot sauce prize. The opening tune of today's episode was Mark Morrison giving a nod to the return of the mount. That would be Escutney. So sit back, kick your feet up, relax, and enjoy the experience of everything skiing and riding, powder hounds. In a part of Vermont known for gentle, rolling hills and pastures, the 3,130-foot-high Mount Escutney erupts out of the landscape like some kind of waking giant. Its steep slopes are a riot of green tinged with the sprawling white blanket of winter snow. Etched into its flanks are the outlines of ski trails. That visual summation was from Vermont Ski and Ride, edited slightly for the winter season. I would like to begin with a special thank you to Jim Lyle, Brian Quirk, and Glenn Seward from Mount Escutney Outdoors. Brian, Jim, and Glenn took time to speak with me and share the full history of the ski area, details and information that would otherwise never have been found through internet research. The inside scoop is invaluable, and those conversations were a wonderful window into what goes into rebooting a silent ski area with the restoration of lift-serve skiing on this central Vermont gem. As an example, on the outset, the board of directors of Mount Escutney Outdoors had a seven-year plan to transfer the property, install the T-bar, build a base lodge, brush-cut trails, and develop programs for locals, second homeowners, and visitors. All of this through a volunteer-led staff. They achieved those goals in just three and a half years. They also raised a lot of money in the process, necessary to move so quickly. One volunteer even secured a recreation grant, the first of its kind at the time. And the mountain was even the beneficiary of a really expensive groomer that a certain 
bear logoed Southern Vermont ski area sold for way less than they probably could have to a different buyer. Indeed, not just locals, second homeowners, and investors want to see the ski area survive, so do neighboring ski areas. Brian, Jim, Glenn also shared some of the lighter moments in the ski area's bumpy history. Perhaps lighter now, looking back. My favorite story was when a former owner who wanted a clean break from the previous New York-based owner changed all the New York City-themed trail names. As it turns out, those New York City trail names, Broadway, Fifth Ave, 42nd Street, were the original names of the ski trails. <laughs> so yeah, it's prudent to do a little research, maybe poll the audience, before making massive changes to your brand. And if you're wondering, once that ill-informed former owner sold the property, the trails were promptly changed back to their original New York City-themed names. Comedy aside, Brian, Jim, and Glenn underscored the importance of Mount Escutney as a point of pride in the town of West Windsor and surrounding community. My guests are also optimistic about the direction of the ski area as a four-season outdoor recreation center and are enthusiastic that their kids will learn to ski in the same zip code as they did. My guests were also not shy talking about their wish lists for the mountain. Okay, okay, I may have prompted them just a bit. But as a brave man once said when asked about dreams, quote, if you don't dream it, you'll never achieve it, end quote. That brave man? John Smoltz, Hall of Fame pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. So hey, anything is possible, even on Mount Escutney. Just got to tweak the upper mountain easement. A final thought. If the recent trend in joint or mega ski area season passes has taught us anything, is that partnerships are the future. Skiers and riders want to pay less, ski more, and have a variety in where they ski. The market offers this benefit right now. While a small nonprofit ski area like Mount Escutney may not be positioned to join current season pass groupings, Mount Escutney could approach other nonprofit ski areas. By my count, there are close to three dozen nonprofit ski areas with lift serve skiing in the US. Nine of these ski areas are in the Northeast. Seems like a good number for, say, a Northeast nonprofit ski area pass. The Indy Pass model offers guidance, and promoting these ski areas could attract new visitors and help navigate economic peaks and snowfall valleys. To be clear, I love current offerings, mega resorts, and world-class terrain as much as you do. But I also enjoy the authentic, laid-back, and simpler vibe of a local ski area. That's how I learned to ski, and that's how I plan to teach my son. Who knows? He very well may learn to slide on snow at Mount Escutney, no matter what the trails are named. <laughs> Enjoy. With that backdrop, I am excited to introduce three guests on today's episode featuring Mount Escutney in Vermont. Now, the four of us shared a college campus, NCAA National Basketball Championships, more on that later, even a hometown. And now we're going to share some stories from the slopes. Lindsay, Ray, Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. 
All right, we are going to begin with a lightning round of introductions. First up, Sean. Sean was one of 20 plus housemates back in college, but most recently was on the losing side of a team best ball at Gillette Ridge. If memory serves, Sean, you had to carry the team as the sips of sunshine got the best of your group. Next time, tell Greg to use or try the white claw instead. Sean, <laughs> how long have you been skiing? Uh, on and off since I was about uh, four. I skied when I was a kid, and then I kind of stopped through like middle and high school and then picked it back up again when I was in college. All right, so that's a pretty, uh, pretty nice little run. Now, if you had to choose between your uh, go-to slopes, what would they be? Groomers, glades, bumps, or steeps? Now, this could be you as that four-year-old or you as this, well, I'll leave your age out, but we're put a zero after that-ish. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say uh, groomers first and foremost, maybe steeps in the morning before my legs get, uh, get tired. Definitely no glades and bumps. I am nowhere near good enough to handle that reliably. All right, we got to save those knees for the golf course. Um, yeah. Other than our featured mountain today, what are any other favorite local, regional, destination mountains or uh, mountains on your bucket list? Uh, so I definitely go to Okemo a lot, and I would say I occasionally hit up uh, Killington and Sunapee. So those are kind of my go-tos. Uh, in terms of destination mountains, I've actually never skied out west, so I'd love to get to Colorado and ski there sometime. I know that it's uh, very different than the ice skating that we do here, so uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. We'd love to have you. Uh, again, uh, ski, ski Country USA, otherwise known as Colorado, is, uh, is my go-to uh, that's outside of the Northeast. And uh, one, uh, one thing about Mount Escutney, most people don't know, and if you don't have an answer, we can come back to it, but I uh, want to throw that out there right at the onset. Well, Jeff, your intro kind of blew me up, but I was going to say that uh, it's a volcano. Most people don't know that it is an ancient volcano. How about that? Waking giant. Thank you, Sean. Appreciate you uh, sharing a little bit, and we will certainly hear more from you as we go on. Next up, Lindsay. Lindsay also happens to be a former roommate, but it was just for a couple weeks while closing on their home, or your home, <laughs> their home. Sure enough, that arrangement was worth, uh, well, worthwhile because both of us ended up living in the same town a mere two miles away. And uh, if you'll bear with me, actually, I'm going to show that Lindsay's also a local VIP. Let's see if it works. Oh my God. <laughs> That's right. Featured in the West Hartford press. In I April. didn't think anybody saw that. No, no, no. There you are. So, uh, you know, just with the kids and uh, I got I had to uh, throw that out there. A little front page uh, notoriety. Oh man. So, certainly spreading the good vibes in a very strange time. So uh, same questions to you. Mrs. Uh, VIP, uh, how long have you been skiing? Um, I've been skiing since I was about four years old as well. So Another about four -year -old, 30, right. 30 plus years. Um, yep. Same, same as Sean. All right. Groomers, glades, Except you bumps. got good and I didn't. So. <laughs> What's that? Except you probably got good and I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I got to about a four out of ten and I just cruised even. through that I, I'm a little rusty. Um, now groomers definitely um no and before in my prime bumps but now mm -hmm. just groomers, yeah 
All right. All right. Love it. All good. Other than a Scutney, any other favorite regional or destinational mountains or bucket list mountains that, uh, you know, we just wanted to maybe try or, or maybe take a trip. So right now we have three kids, um, young kids, uh, six, four, and two. So we are loving ski sundown in Connecticut. That's our local spot. Mm -hmm. Um, and then destination, we like Okima, like, Sean and Killington and Sunapee. All right. It's like the four oh, and, and uh bucket list. Ooh. Oh man. I I would like to get back to Stratton one day, I guess. I I, I don't have as lofty dreams as Sean. Um or maybe <laughs> I'll maybe I'll travel over to the Swiss Alps and do some there skiing. It is. That's it. That's yeah. it. Once we get the green light to hop on yeah. a plane. Yes. Believe me, but though, with those three kids, I'm guessing at least one of them is going to get the itch and is going to want to drag you out west, drag yeah. you to Tahoe. So um, I'm pretty sure you're, you're going to have some destination mountains in your future. Same question. Last question. Lightning round. One thing about Mount Escutney that people, most people don't know. Um, let's see. Well, I don't know if most people know this, but they have a rope show and, um, they were one of the first, I believe in the country to have a rope show in, uh, in the forties, I want to say. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that, but yes, the forties, it was definitely an earlier mountain that opened yeah. on the, uh, in the Northeast. Yeah, not the first, but one of the, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for sharing. We will obviously hear more about you and from you as we go along. Last but certainly not least, Ray. Ray was also a former roommate for that couple of weeks stretch turned nearby neighbor. Actually, I think the last time I saw you, I was out for a run and it was a seasonably warm fall day. And I believe I caught you doing yard work, but the best part for the passing observer, you were shirtless. <laughs> getting that body tan, the ageless wonder. And, uh, <laughs> and um, that was, yeah. So that was, uh, I think the kids were actually outside helping you. So that was actually kind of fun catching up. But same question yeah. to you. How long have you been skiing? Um, so I started actually a bit later. I don't think I started skiing until I was like five or six. My folks had a place up in New London, New Hampshire. So Mount Sunapee was okay. the uh, preferred mountain. Yep. There used to be another mountain called King Ridge close by, a little bit smaller, but that was kind of, King Ridge, King Ridge was actually the mountain we started on. And then as we got a bit older, we um, kind of routinely started going to Mount Sunapee on a regular basis. Well, as I gather this, uh, you know, four or five, six-year-old uh, starting out, I'm guessing that wasn't a whole lot of fear as, you know, those uh, pretty low to the ground as a four or five or six-year-old. So would you, at that age, be more of a, you know, bump steeps or uh, were you a cruising groomer or uh, just wandering around in the, in the trees and the glades? I mean, as, as a youngster, you know, steeps and bumps were kind of all the rage, you know, as poorly as you did it, but it was, it was fun and... <laughs> Uh, you know, but as you know, as you get a bit older and you kind of transition out of that, you know, groomers for sure. And kind of like Sean, you know, maybe now you feel good in the morning and you try steeps, but by, you know, by the end of the morning, it's back to groomers and maybe groomers after lunch. Dial it back. Maybe you, call it, maybe you call it an early day and hit the lodge. Especially after the sip of sunshines. All right. Other than Mount Scutney, any other favorite local regional or destination mountain that Lindsay has not mentioned or that you She's have been mentioned. thinking about okay. your bucket so, list? Um, you know, I'd say 
Mount Sunapee's got kind of a a spot in my heart in terms of uh, mm-hmm. destination mountains. I've never really gone to one of the really big Northeast mountains like Killington or Sunday River. Mm-hmm. Um, those are big. Nice to try one of those out somewhere where you know I could just ride or ski a different trail every rundown. Yep. I mean, yep. Mount Sunapee, I know I like the back of my hand. Same with Okemo to an extent, definitely a Scutney, but Sunday River and Killington are just like huge, yeah, you know, yeah. multiple mountains. Gondola. Yeah. Yeah. that too. Well, the good news, well, you have working for you at least uh, near Scutney. Killington's only about an hour away. Sunday River, on the other hand, that's about three hours, maybe a little bit longer, and you got to cross another set of mountains to get there. But yeah. hey, when there's a will, there's a way. Um, any other thing that has not been mentioned about Mount Escutney, what people may not know about it? Uh, I don't think so. I'll steal this one from Sean. As part of the sale of Escutney, I believe that um, they will not be allowed to have a uh, restaurant or bar indoors, right? We are going to challenge that in court, if not just verbally on this uh, episode, because damn it, there better be a time horizon on that, uh, on that contingency. All right, no restaurant, food trucks only, or pack a brown bag lunch, and uh, that's what you got to know right now before you go. Thank you all for the quick lightning round of introductions. We're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about Mount Scutney location and Mount Statistics for listeners who have not been there and may want to go first. It is in central Vermont, about in the town of West Windsor, I believe the village of Brownsville, uh, about southeast of Killington, northeast of Okemo, about 15 minutes, I think, off I-91. Great location. Mountain statistics, summit elevation, 3,150 feet. On the lower mountain, vertical drop, 450 feet, and that's lift serve section with eight trails. Skiable Acres 26 and its natural snow with three lifts. The base area has a new base lodge built in 2018. Tubing Hill with its own lift. Housing units and condos, slopeside, as we talked about off before the show. And the Orange Lakes Resort property, which also works with other uh, nearby mountains to attract visitors and uh, handle some outdoor excursions. On the upper mountain, while it is not lift serve, it is or does have a 1,470-foot vertical drop, about a dozen trails based on the latest map I saw on the website, and most importantly, a backcountry oasis on mowed and maintained trails. So for those venturing out in the backcountry, Scutney might be the place to start out or learn if you have the equipment and the wherewithal and knowledge. Before I go any further, how did I do? Does that sound about right, everyone? It does. <laughs> Pretty spot on. All right. That. Great. Wonderful. So the, we're going to start with the early days and then obviously get to the present. Uh, thought it would be good just to, I guess, channel where Lindsay left off about one of the first lift served operations in the Northeast, if not Vermont. And it opened in 1946, 1947 season, but it was actually explored a decade earlier. In 1935, the Civilian Conservation Corps and the Windsor Outing Club cut the first trail down the face of the mountain. The trail? The face. Oh, oh boy, this is going to be wild. All right. Founded by a group with Catherine Cushman, Bob Bishop, Dick Springer, Bob Eli, Robert Hammond, Dr. Peter Patch, who, quote unquote, worked together to get lift serve skiing on Mount Escutney in 1946. Interesting how about 70 years later, 
a, a similar group, different people of course, uh, came back together to get lift serve skiing back on the mountain. But in the 1960s, the heyday of a lot of small ski areas, the Hall double chair, quote unquote, brought Mount Escutney into the big leagues by increasing the area's vertical drop from 620 feet to 1,470 feet summit elevation, vertical drop. The next few decades can be described as a bumpy road, financial challenges, ownership transitions, and poor snow years. Certainly not a unique set of circumstances for a ski area. But at its peak, the mid-sized ski area offered about 50 trails, multiple real estate developments, and a high-speed quad to the 3,000-foot summit. Now, Mount Escutney is, is operated by a nonprofit, Mount Escutney Outdoors, for families and backcountry skiers and riders. So with that backdrop and a little bit of history, I want to ask, uh, what is, and maybe we can start with Lindsay, since I think you were one of the earliest visitors to Mount Escutney. When was the first time you visited there? What was your experience like and what keeps you coming back? Okay, so um, I guess I started skiing when I was about four, so that would have been the late 80s. And um, my family used to take us up there and we used to stay at the, it's a hotel now, um, I think it's owned by the Holiday Inn, um, but it used to be called, I believe, The Village. And um, as it is today, and it was then, it was a affordable place to stay um, and a very family-oriented mountain. So they took us up there to, to learn to ski. Um, so I have some really fond memories of learning to ski there. Um, and my parents would bring us to the ski school over at, um, I think it was called the barn or something, at the bottom of the mountain. And then I think they'd go skiing for a couple hours and we would take our ski lessons there. And I have memories of, you know, holding a Frisbee. And I think I had a balloon between my legs going down the bunny hill. Um, and that's where I, I learned how to ski. Right. Um, and then as we got older, we went back there year after year. We stayed in those um, uh, mountainside units and, um, we used to go out when I got a little bit older, we used to go out at night and go sledding um, under the, the ski lights. Um, we'd bring our sleds out and hike up the, the mountain and uh, go sledding. We were probably about you know 10 years old and I have great memories of doing that. A little pre-tubing pre hill, pre-snowshoeing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love it. Love it. That, uh, that, I just want to do that right now, actually. <laughs> now, Sean, moving over to you, I think you or maybe behind Lindsay in terms of uh, getting to the mountain in the, what, the early aughts? Yep. So I, uh, I was always aware of it, right? My family's had a place in the Upper Valley since I've been alive, right? And so, you know, there was a restaurant that we used to go to that was near there, Skunk Hollow. I think it's still there. Um, my mom's family used to ski at Escutney. Uh, like I was telling you guys, they used to jokingly call it Ice Scutney. Um, so I was always aware of it. But the first time that I spent any real time there was actually with Lindsay and Ray. Uh, it was New Year's Eve and like, I don't know, Lindsay, was it 2010 we had all stayed there? And a bunch of yeah. people. Yeah. So uh, that was the I'm first driving. time that I like remember, you know, actually going to the mountain. Gotcha. Okay. That was an infamous year, which we'll get to. But uh, yeah. hey, you spent it with some good people. So uh, that's, uh, that's what's important. Now, Ray, how about you? You were the latest in the group, I guess 2010 then, uh, if not earlier. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say I'm the latest. These guys both started when they're both kids, but um, I got introduced to Mountain um, when Lindsay's folks bought the uh, the place on Mountain Mountain Mountain's Edge, right? Mountain Edge, yep. And yeah, we've been going up ever since. But you know, before we had kids, and you know, now we're married and have kids, and so it's a it's a great spot. It's a great location. Yep, great learning environment. Lots to do. Now the. 2010 was sort of the transition from the commercially operated mountain into sort of this uh, gray period where, you know, the owners uh, either, you know, uh, uh, sold the property and or got out of the property and sold a lot of the assets. So it became uh, a, a closed scare, ski area. But then the residents of West Windsor, as I understand it, uh, banded together, figuring out a way to preserve the ski area. And what ended up happening apparently was uh, the residents overwhelmingly approved the plan to buy the property. And it's about 470 acres in total. And it abuts the, I believe, existing town forest, which is like a thousand uh, acres. So together, uh, this group came together and uh, called uh, Mount Escutney Outdoors, a nonprofit that would eventually take responsibility for the management of this now 1600 acres of forest land. Uh, including this, the former ski area. And what they did was tried to bring back the area. And how they went about doing it, again, as I understand it, was partnering with a number of different groups and conservation uh, land trusts, uh, specifically the Escutney Trails Association, Orange Lakes Resorts, the Holiday Inn that you referenced, obviously the town of Windsor, I think literally bought the property from the Upper Valley Land Trust. Um, but part of the, the deal, part of the purchase was that there are some restrictions on the upper mountain, which we talked about, the uh, ice Scutney, if you will. Um, and that, while it may be prime for some growth, there are going to be restrictions and limitations on what exactly can happen. And as I understand it, and I think we, off before the show started, we talked about it, it's pretty much run by uh, all volunteers. I think maybe there's one part-time staffer, but uh, it takes about 20 volunteers to run the ski area uh, on, a, on, a, on a day. And uh, the board of directors of the nonprofit, again, Mount Scutney Outdoors, is a mix of locals as well as um, second homeowners. And to even get, the, get this all to come together, they had to raise a ton of money and obviously do a ton of legal work and work with, uh, obviously, the Forest Service and, and the town. Uh, but, again, as I understand it, there was a seven-year plan to transfer the property to the nonprofit, Mount Scutney Outdoors, install the T-bar, which apparently is, is the newest lift, uh, went online, I think, two seasons ago. Build the new base lodge, which opened, I think, in 2018. Clear the trails since the forest had started to regrow and claim the former trails. And then again, develop programs to attract visitors and, you know, other, other uh, residents, second homeowners. So that seven-year plan, again, as I understand it, was met within three and a half years. So that was pretty impressive in, in terms of just the timeline to have that all come together. And now here we are. Again, this is later than certainly 2015 uh, when the property transferred. But here we are in, in now with 2021 and we got skiing again. And there's lift serve skiing on the lower mountain. There's tubing. There's uh, obviously the backcountry talked about. So I guess, can you talk a little bit about the transition period, you know, whether it was uh, when... Uh, a scutney outdoors opened or even you know from when the property closed and just sort of what was that like 
uh, and how did you recreate on the mountain? Um, so I, I'll, I guess I can start if you'd like. Um, my parents bought a place right before the mountain shut down. So they, I believe, bought their property, a condo in Mountain's Edge um, in early 2010. And by the fall, they found out that the mountain was shutting down. So what, you know, they went into very excited buying a property to have their grandkids learn to ski where their kids learn to ski kind of became like a little bit of a, a, a devastating thing for, for a period. And then we wrapped our heads around it and we said, you know, there's still a lot of things that you can do on the mountain and maybe somebody will buy it or who knows what the future is for the mountain. So until Ascutney Outdoors opened, we found lots of other things to do. It's a, it's a wonderful area. Um, there's so much to do around the area and on the mountain besides just skiing. We snowshoed, we sledded, um, you know, you could cross country ski. There's lots of different activities. So, um, and then in the summer, you can bike, you can, in the fall, you can hike. It's a really a year round place. So, you know, we were obviously very upset um, about what happened with the mountain but we still loved going up there all the time. And my parents had no plans of, you know, selling their property. And when we found out that this nonprofit was forming, um, or, you know, the town was trying to buy the land and the nonprofit would be forming, it was so exciting. Um, and to watch it happen so quickly was just such a inspiring, beautiful thing. I mean, it's really, it is a family mountain. And I think that so many people grew up going there and they have such a connection of learning to ski there that they really wanted to like band together to bring this mountain back. And they did it. It has been amazing to watch that happen. And for me and my husband having really young kids, we are fortunate enough that, you know, our, we were just starting our family. So now it's wonderful. We can bring our, um, I, I don't know if I said this already, we have a two, four and six year old. We can bring them there to learn to ski, which was our, uh, you know, my parents' initial plan was to have their grandkids learn to ski there. So it's really been an amazing thing to be a part of and to see. Happening. It's happening. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, race, John, jump in, but you're, you're right. I just want to underscore that it is a four season operation. Like you said, you got the winter of sports again, we have not even really got into the backcountry opportunities that exist, but there's also, like you said, mountain biking, there's, uh, the, the horseback riding, as I understand it, they host, uh, the, the Ragnar relay, the, the, the bike competitions, uh, open mic nights. So there's like, there's quite a bit going on, uh, on the, on the mountain, uh, you know, every time of year really. And, uh, so definitely a place to check out now. Um, Sean, uh, Ray, in terms of, you know, your, uh, experience during that transition period or actually just present day, you know, what, uh, what do you find sort of most appealing about the mountain right now? Yeah. So, you know, going back to the transition period, like the beginning of it, felt kind of dark right because there was that thing with the the lodge right Lindsay, where it kind of suspiciously burned down right so you know there's a period of time where you're driving by this like burnt out hulk of a building and um you know there was some trepidation like the little gas station down at the bottom of the hill had closed um the ski shop that was down the street had closed and so there was like this fear of, like what's going to happen here, right 
And, um, you know, there, as it turns out, are a lot of very generous people uh, in the area. So the fundraising effort that was undertaken in order to get that to, you know, to actually become a nonprofit and to become property of the town was really awesome to watch. I think that the, uh, the Trust for Public Land got involved and they donated a ton of money to help get that done. Um, you know, to Lindsay's point, it was just beautiful to watch it all come together so quickly and so well. And, you know, you drive by now and the new base lodge is, is beautiful, right? They've got that tubing lift up and running. They've got the T-bar and, the, um, and the rope tow up and running. And it's cool to go by there on a busy weekend and see that parking lot, you know, mostly full again. Um, you know, to Lindsay's point, it's inexpensive, right? A lot of the mountains in Vermont have become extremely expensive. Like I just found out today uh, a day rate at Stratton or at uh, Mount Snow would have been $110. Um, you know, when a Scutney is open, I think, what did you say it was? 15? Yep. You're going to have a season pass. Yeah. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, you know, extremely affordable. Um, if you just want to go for a couple of hours, get some runs in before you do something else, you know, it, it's incredible. And the other group that has been very helpful is the, uh, the mountain bikers, you know, during the summer, spring and fall, the mountain is loaded with mountain bikers and they have, uh, what is it? The VMBA Vermont, the Vermont mountain bikers association festival is there. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been great to see it become kind of a flourishing area again. The restaurant that opened down the hill is excellent. Um, and they've got a little general store. They have a butcher shop. Uh, they serve food and beer. So uh, highly recommend that place too, the Brownsville Butcher and Pantry. It's been a great transition. Ray, feel the same way? Yeah, definitely. They've done a really good job. And like to, to, uh, to Lindsay and Sean, Sean's point, um, there was a period where things were pretty, seemed pretty grim, but... I'd say that once the lodge got built up, I think things seemed pretty promising. Um, they did a really good job. It looks great. Uh, it's a great space. They've got a great outdoor space, which is awesome. I think that was really encouraging. Um, seeing the outdoor space like come to come to fruition really did make me think that, hey, maybe they're going to make something of this and it's going to really be like a four seasons kind of facility. And um, we ended up going to some sort of outdoor mountain, mountain bike fest. I don't know if it was at the Vermont mountain bike association fest or not, but, um, they've got a nice outdoor patio. They had a live band, you know, the butcher and pantry, they, they catered the food. Um, so, you know, our family was there. We kind of set up, set up shop and had a bit of a picnic and as were a bunch of other locals and folks that own own um our, our owners on mountain on mountain's edge and i i just i've been actually pretty impressed with uh with what they've done with the place and what they've been able to offer between the skiing the the tubing the, the hiking the mountain biking and uh it's really kind of come together quite nicely in the past in the past couple of years now to get i want to hear from you go ahead i was going to say the other thing that's awesome about it is you know you'd mentioned it's extremely close to 91 uh, I think Lindsay alluded to the fact that if you're going to go up there for a few days, you're very close to several other ski resorts. So you can do a nice, you know, relaxed day at a Scutney. And then if you want to go and, and hit some steeps, you can do Killington, uh, you can do Okemo, you can do Sunapee in less than an hour. Um, I think there are some others as well. And, you know, being in the upper valley, you've got access within 30 to 40 minutes to get into Woodstock. You can go to Hanover where Dartmouth College is. West Lebanon has anything you need if you need to restock on supplies for your place. Um, you know, Kimo Ludlow is close by and there's a lot of stuff to do there. So there's a lot to do in the area. And, you know, even downtown Windsor has had a few things open up between, you know, Harpoon, which has been there for a while. There's a couple of new restaurants. Um, Windsor station is fantastic. 
Um, so there's just, there's a lot to do in that area outside yeah. of skiing. Yeah. And, and again, it, it sounds like, you know, we're in a really good situation and I was just going to say like, not to get greedy, but if you had like a wish list and, uh, you know, you're thinking about, Hmm, you know, what else maybe, uh, would you love to see on the mountain? Um, curious, uh, you know, what would it be? And, uh, is it, is it just the, you know, the restaurant in the lodge? Is it, uh, you know, uh, snowmaking, is it uh, a longer lift? I'll, I'll, I'll jump on on this one. So there was, a, so during kind of the gray period where things are a little bit grim, uh, when I saw, so they sold off one of the, uh, one of the lifts, right? The, the high speed quad or the, mm -hmm. the yep. Yeah, they sold off a couple of lifts and that's when I thought, I'm like, oh man, I don't know. If, I don't know how this is going to turn out. And I guess the wish list item would definitely be a, a more traditional traditional lift. Doesn't need to be doesn't need to be high high speed quad, but the ability to get a bit higher on the mountain and they could expand and kind of reinvigorate some of the old uh, little former trails, something like that. Former trails. That's where I was looking for. Thanks. Oh yeah, um, I'm here for you, bud. Yeah, that would kind of be a wish list because I think at some point the kids will get a bit older and they'll want you know they'll want some more challenges. They want some of those steeps and bumps like we wanted when we were kids. And Ray wants to put his feet up on the lift. He wants yes. to break on his feet. I want to break on the the old legs. He was complaining about the magic carpet. I uh, love it. About two weeks ago, that he didn't get to sit down on the lift and rest his feet at all. <laughs> hey, you're assuming that you're riding that lift solo, buddy. I think you've got three kids that are going to want to be on your lap. So, uh, but yeah, any any form of lift, any form of you know lift on the mountain would be would be great. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I think my wish list would be like maybe um, if they did ever, you know, were able to ever hire somebody or maybe get some local college kids or high school kids do some type of program where they could teach young kids do a little lesson here or there. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, not just the the local through the school programs, but for um, visitors, some type of some type of weekend you know, little lesson for the kids. That'd be nice. Maybe teach them how to do the T-bar because I'm not very good at it. <laughs> I've got two. I've got a realistic one and I've got a stretch goal. So the realistic goal I would say is uh, something that you and I talked about, but like if they could offer some sort of an intro to backcountry skiing course, um, I'm not sure if I could handle that from a cardiovascular perspective, but I would certainly try it. <laughs> pay for it. So, um, I think that would be a really cool course, especially given that, you know, there seems to be a lot of interest in people skinning up the mountain and then skiing down. And, um, you know, I think it would be cool to learn a little bit more about that. And the stretch goal for me is, uh, would be snowmaking. And so, you know, if you think about a Scutney, one of the reasons that it had struggled financially in the past is that it's outside of the spine of the green mountains. And as a result of that, it doesn't get the same amount of snowfall as, you know, an Okima or a Kilimanjaro. And, you know, in the past, they relied pretty heavily on snowmaking. And right now we're not doing that, even though we have some equipment for it. Now, there are challenges, right? You have to work through, I guess, it's the EPA. Uh, there has to be an inspection of the equipment. It has to be restored to working capacity. You have to have enough water to pull from in terms of like a lake or a pond down at the bottom. So there are challenges there, but um, that would be something that I think would make it a lot more useful on a weekend to weekend basis. If you had consistent snow cover from snowmaking, they've already got the groomer. So that helps a lot. Well, yeah, after that rain we got after Christmas. Yeah. yeah. 
just not not fair mother nature give us a break we need it we need it now uh just get, yeah, that's great and that's i think that's a great flavor and uh you know uh, you know the uh as i understand it you know the board terms are expiring every year so you know if you want a little add a little something to your plate you know we have three great candidates here for uh board members that end up listening <laughs> now, i did have one other question final question before we get to the games so uh, get, get ready for that. But uh, and this is going to be a little build up, but we will get there. Um, I shared pre-show that of my sort of renewed interest in the sort of small ski area movement, if you will. And it's really customer driven, not so much the operators. And, you know, with the arrival of the mega passes and, you know, they're great. Again, they're great. They're making skiing affordable at, at some, some, some great places. But again, you know, the attention sometimes gets taken away from the small ski areas that are, you know, points of pride in local communities. Certainly sometimes the biggest economic driver in a local community, especially in a rural area. And quite frankly, you know, COVID aside, like some of those ski areas are really crowded and eventually that kind of undercuts your experience, you know, whether it's waiting in a super long lift line, like hunger games in the cafeteria, trying to get a table, you know, to yourself. You know, and I think even, you know, the pandemic sort of exacerbated, you know, sort of the need to find like a, an off the grid maybe place to, to recreate safely, right? So, of course, smaller, you know, uh, ski areas that are, have less tra traffic generally are a great alternative. So I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, Mount of Scutney seems positioned well sort of in this, again, I'm calling it small ski area movement and really just sort of trying to get back to like the, the, the roots of the experience. You don't need a lot of glamour and glitz and no glitz and glamour, I think it is. And you know, a lot of stuff, right? You just need to like, like you said, be surrounded by good people, get, get to have some snow, of course, you know, have the equipment and have the time to get up and on the mountain. And again, Scutney, lift surf skiing. Granted, might not get you exactly where you want to go, but it's certainly a start. Backcountry, opportunities and possibilities right already existing and certainly can be expanded and it's kind of off the grid right like you know you, because as sean said it's not on the spine that maybe folks don't think of it necessarily so you kind of have a little you know a little hidden gem right there and of course you know being fought four seasons and really centrally located in the state is just 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 great so you know i'm wondering you know again long-winded way of getting here but uh you know do you sense that like this small ski area movement maybe is permanent and if so like this sort of again shift sort of away maybe from the super crowded mega pass resorts um and would you want to see say Manuscutney outdoors you know join you know some other say non-profit ski area season pass um which would drive more people or would you want to kind of keep <coughs> what it is you know and sort of like you said full parking lot for sure but you know, no lift line weights and, you know, your own kind of little, little piece of the pie. I'm just curious what, what your thoughts are on, on that. More people or maybe your little piece of the pie. So to answer the first part of the question about the small ski area movement, um, I would say that I think it's continued to grow. I think that, you know, if you've been following it at all, there's been a lot of backlash against Vail lately, right? Where people are paying an exorbitant sum of money. The lift lines are incredibly long right now. Um, so I think that they're going to continue to be more popular. And like you and I talked about, I actually skied today at a small area, not at Scutney, somewhere more close by. Um, and it was awesome. You know, you're not waiting in lift lines. It wasn't super expensive. I think I paid $25. Um, it's excellent. And so unless you really want to go and push yourself super hard, it's a great alternative. 
And I think that it's going to become more popular for that reason, right? You don't want to wait in line. You don't want to pay a ton of money. It's there. Um, in terms of joining with other nonprofits to make like a, a more accessible pass to multiple mountains, I do think that's a pretty cool idea. I don't know what the logistics like that would be, but if that's something that would be possible, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Well, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> and just so you know that it is possible, you got Whale Back, about 40 minutes from Mount Scutney. You got North Slopes, which is about uh, an hour, I think. And then Cochran's in Vermont is, is a lot farther. But still, say, say you paid 100 bucks. I don't know. Maybe not even. Maybe 60 bucks. You know, for, you know. Anyway, it's possible is what I'm telling you. <laughs> Ray, Lindsay, what do you think? Are those other mountains nonprofits? They are. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, hey, the more growth, the better. If you have to band together to do it, I'd say all for it. Um, we want to support our town and the local businesses. And, I, you know, obviously we love our little slice of heaven, but we want to see the mountain continue to grow. So anything that will bring people to a Scutney, um, I'm for it. Cool. I'll give a little bit of a story about Mount Sunapee. So when I used to, when, when we went back up, when we started going up in like the late eighties, early nineties, um, it was a, I think it was an independently owned mountain. It wasn't a part of Akimo yet. And it was never particularly crowded. And because my folks had a place up there, we just, we went up to, we went up to what we called Grand Leden, uh, you know, over, over Christmas break and then February break when they used to have that for kids or for us. Um, and it, it, it was just, it was just great. And when I look back on it, um, there, there was a bit of an inflection point, like when Mount Sunapee got bought out by Okemo, uh, it, you know, the, the prices of the tickets went up quickly. Um, lines got a lot longer. I mean, I think the skiing got a bit better, but in terms of like overall value, it just started to, you know, decline just a bit. Um, it just wasn't worth all the hassle to us, you know, be in line for five or 10 minutes and you're paying $80 a ticket when it used to be like 50. Um, so it, it, it started to get expensive. So uh, that's, I think that's some of the allure around a Scutney right now is that it's kind of small and it's kind of a hidden gem and it's pretty cost effective for, for, for young families like ours. And our kids can go and ski there for $15. And you don't um, care if they get tired after an hour and a half because you only paid well, actually, we pay zero for six and under, so. But it would be nice, but it would be great if the, you know, mountain got a bit bigger. It had some chairlift service and some snowmaking ability, like Sean mentioned. I think those are kind of the next couple steps for the mountain to really kind of, you know, make a, you know, legitimate spot in the area. But the location's awesome. It's right off 91. It kind of splits between Vermont and New Hampshire. It's halfway up. You've got a lot of options when you're, when you're right there. So if a Scutney's what you want to do for a day or two and then you want to pop over to Okemo or Sunapee. It's like, it's not that far. It's 45 minutes away. So I think overall it's a great spot. The mountains done a really good job over the past couple of years. And, you know, we're hoping it kind of stays, it stays local, but it develops a bit so that it's got some more options when, you know, our kids get older and for other folks in the area. Yeah. You know, in addition to the benefits for us who are not local to the mountain, I think it's been really good for the town. I mean, I know that they do like, was it Thursday night racing school, right, Lindsay? Yeah. And then um, the schools also have programs where they go there, you know, maybe it's, I don't know, it's a day every other week or whatever it is. But I mean, for the kids in town, it's huge to have it there again, because it's affordable, it's close by. Um, 
So I think it's good for the community to be there too. It also brings in foot traffic for the businesses in town. Yeah, anybody anybody can ski there for free if you just do the rope to rope toe. It doesn't cost anything. So it's it's awesome and it's great for the local businesses like the butchers and baker or butchers and what is it called? Sorry. Sure, the, pantry, yeah. Butcher's butcher pantry. pantry. Um, you know, we want that to stay open because it's awesome. Yeah. Um, the hotel. So yeah. All right. Well, I will do my part. Uh, trying to raise the flag for not only Mount Scutney, but also the other nonprofit ski areas, family owned, independently run, because, you know, we need them. And, uh, you know, that's really the place to keep skiing affordable, fun. And uh, that's what we're all about here. So, hey, we're going to leave it there for now. At the end of the program, you will have one last opportunity. If there's something that is burning, uh, burning desire to share, you can get it off your chest. But it is time for us to let the games begin. So, you guys ready for some games? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. We have three games in this Madiscotney episode. The first is an easy one. True or false? Do you guys need me to tell true. you how to play true or false? Okay. All right. This is the easiest one. Then it gets a little bit more interesting. Uh, so I compiled a couple questions and answers from newenglandskihistory.com. So if Boy. you don't like the answers or my answer, uh, take it up with them. So we will, uh, so we will get started here. So first up, Mount Escutney offered night skiing in 1947-1948 season. Uh, we'll start with uh, Sean. Ooh, that's a tough one. I feel like you're trying to, uh, to get us to say no because that wouldn't make sense, but I'm going to go ahead and say yes, they did have it in 1947-1948. Uh, let's go with Lindsay. I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. Okay, Ray? Night skiing in 1946, that would be, I feel like, pretty good, but I'm going to say no. <laughs> it was pretty good, believe it or not. The improved operation included, uh, so yes, true. The improved operation included diesel rope toes, many new trails, night skiing, and snow cat serves. Wow, they had night skiing. Wow. That's right. Yeah, it's cat skiing, too. That's, That's right. Snow cat torches? <laughs> <laughs> open bonfire to keep warm uh sean you take the early lead well done all right second question in 1963 to 1964 season the hall double chairlift increased the ski area's vertical drop from 620 feet to 1470 feet sean when in doubt say true Ooh, interesting strategy Lindsay. i'm gonna say true as well ray True. Sure is. That, uh, I think that was actually in my opening little rundown of the uh, ski area. But yes, this uh, was Walter Payne's big operational change that moved Mount Escutney into the quote-unquote big leagues. All right, Sean still has the lead here. Uh, third question. Uh, Mount Escutney was chosen as the site of the 1964 NCAA championships when Dartmouth Skiway lacked natural snow. Sean. False. Lindsay. True. Ray. True. It was true. Though the, oh, course, wow. uh, though the course was set on March 4th, 1964, overnight rains took out so much snow that only 10 of the 55 gates remained standing, resulting in the cancellation of the race. 
but it was uh, chosen as the site. So we are tied. All right, after three. Uh, here we go. Oh, this is actually fun. Mount Scotney once offered an interchangeable season pass at Berkshire East. Sean. True. Lindsay. Ooh, um, false. Ray. True. It is false. It's a different Lindsay. map, right? Yes. Yes, <laughs> it was a different map. It was Jiminy Peak. Yeah, I think I knew. Oh, wow. Well done. That was a little trick question right there. Well done. Lindsay takes the lead. All right. Uh, only a couple more and uh, we'll total them up. Due to a poor snow year, members of the Abenaki Nation performed a snow dance on the mountain. That's a good one, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> false. Sean. False. false. Okay, Lindsay. Oh, what was it again? Can you repeat that? Yeah, I, I probably missed it. the people? Year. Uh, but due to a poor snow year, members of the Abenaki Nation performed a snow dance on the mountain. True. Right? Uh, false. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Nice. Uh, the snow drought was so bad after the 1988-89 winter, desperate staff brought in members of the Abenaki Nation to perform a snow dance. And incidentally, this is another little point. Uh, Mount Scotty is named from the derivative of several Abenas, uh, Abenaki words, meaning mountain of the rocky summit. That's according to the Vermont State Parks. So how about that? Lindsay, you have taken a commanding lead because there is only... I may, I may have done a little Google research for it. Ah, that's okay. <laughs> She's admitting, looking into it. That's fine. Hey, you know just, what? Just a couple minutes. Hey, you know what? If you haven't thought of something in a while, sometimes, you know, it just takes a minute for it all to put that <laughs> together. All right, only two more and uh, we're, get, we're gonna move on. Vermont's and possibly America's first organized mountain hiking trail was cut through Mount Escutney. John. True. Lindsay. I'm gonna say true because Windsor's the birthplace of Vermont. Ray. True. It is true. Now, I don't know if that exactly is right, Lindsay, but it's it true. Is. There's signs all over. Is it really? Okay. Yeah. All right. How about that? West Windsor. Mm -hmm. There you go. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. Windsor. Windsor. Oh, Windsor. Okay, Windsor, Vermont. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, did, I do know that. That's right. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, uh, yeah, because every time I see that, I'm thinking like Windsor, Connecticut, and I always get like, <laughs> wait, no, we're Windsor. And then Ray was saying New London, New Hampshire. I'm like, wait, no, 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 New London, Connecticut. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, so apparently uh, Vermont's forests were, or I'm sorry, Mount Escutney's forests were purposely cut for trails as early as 1825. And that's according to Vermont State Parks. All right, last question, Lindsay, two, uh, two point lead. Until 20, 2008, America's longest covered bridge lies near the base of Mount Escutney connecting Windsor and Cornish, New Hampshire. Sean. I don't know if it's the longest, but yeah, the Cornish covered bridge, I'm gonna go ahead and say true. Lindsay. True. Ray. I'll go ahead and say false. Oh, no, it is true. Yeah, I wasn't trying to be too uh -oh. deceptive there. Yeah, the one trick question was the uh, Berkshire East, the Jimmy Peak one. Yeah, the Cornish Windsor covered bridge is a 154 year old two span timber covered bridge that crosses the Connecticut River between Cornish and Windsor. 
So after, uh, yeah, after the first game, it, uh, Lindsay has a uh, two-point lead, uh, six to four, Sean, Ray, or three. Don't worry, everybody's in the game. We are all having fun. Everybody wins in uh, the Powderhounds podcast uh, trivia game. So take a breath, and now we're going to go right into game number two. This one is called, Whose Tagline Is It Anyway? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to restate <laughs> Vermont ski area, either current or former oh taglines or slogans. Okay. Uh, this is collected from basically general knowledge. And uh, I think I double checked a couple on their websites. Um, and if you don't know, we'll just, we'll just go, we'll keep going and that's fine. You know, some of them may not, may, may not be answered and you know what, you're just going to have to live with not knowing, but um, yeah, so I'm going to give you the tagline or the slogan, and uh, you're going to name the ski area. So this is only Vermont ski areas. Most of them are located in central Vermont, but not all of them. Got to, got to mix it up a little bit. And uh, so here we go. There's, uh, eh, there's like a handful. Beast of the East. Can we just shout it out? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the rules. So this is like, yeah, this is the rapid fire, like barroom brawl kind of uh, g game. Yeah. So you're shouting it out. We're not taking turns. Killington. Uh, yes. Correct. <laughs> Killington. Sean, well done. Yes. The beast of the East, they get the name because you know, they're, the, I think, not only the highest summit elevation, or maybe it's a vertical drop, but uh, the most skiable terrain, I believe, in Vermont. Okay. Killington. Incidentally, Ray, not to uh, pour cold water on your bucket list of skiing Killington, but to go back to the pricing kind of conversation, uh, guess how much a day ticket was? This is, this is not for points. This is just Ooh, a little sidebar. Day ticket Killington. at Killington. Today? It must be over 100 now, right? Ooh, I, if I had to guess, like 130. Keep going. No. Is it really? Really? Keep going. Shut your... Come on. For a day ticket, for a day ticket on a Saturday... This season at Killington, it was $165. And if you want to actually get to the trail, because you got to go through the, the gates, you have to buy a $5 RFID chip. So $170. And if, if you hear someone's tired before 4 o'clock, they got some answering to do. <laughs> yeah. no. But don't worry. There are ways to buy discounted passes. You just got to do a little homework. And obviously talk to me offline, and I'll get you there a lot cheaper. They do okay. half days or no? Ooh, that's, this year, prob maybe this year, I don't know that they've done that regularly, but uh, this year, a lot of ski areas oh, are doing like, you know, like four hour increments wow. and all sorts of stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. But yeah, that's not known for that. And again, they are, they are operated by Altera, which is one of the mega, one of the two megas. Uh, so anyway, but don't worry, again, I don't want to leave on a sour note here, Ray. I want you to get to Killington. I want to be with you. I want to take you down all those different trails the entire day. I don't so know about that, Jeff. We will that figure out a right. way. We will figure out a way to make it. We'll get a discount pass. We're going to do it. It's going to be great. Wonderful. All right. Yeah, Ray, if you want to get a season pass, I think they probably use the same lenders as uh, getting an auto loan. So we could go through that. Yeah. <laughs> they got a second mortgage. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Back to the game. So we just got through one question right there. All right. Second one. All right. So I'm actually giving you some hints because, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to, I don't want Sean to take over this right here. This is a ski area in Southern Vermont and um, the perfect name for a dog. Vermont. Oh, 
<laughs> not what I was going for, but that's not, I hadn't thought of Okimo as a, as a dog's name. Interesting. Okimo. Come here, Okimo. Yeah, maybe. That might work. That's not it, but you can guess. You have unlimited guesses. Uh, Vermont Sun Mountain. Stratton. No. Mount Snow. No. It's a smaller mountain. Uh, Mount Tom? Bromley. Oh, no, that's, not, that's Massachusetts. John got it. Bromley. What did you say? Yeah. Bromley. Bromley, yes. Yeah, oh. It's, it's Bromley. in Peru. Yeah. If you drive from our place to Manchester, you'll pass it. It's a cool little mountain. Okay. So we've only gone through two. There's a bunch more, but we'll probably only do a couple more in the interest of time. Um, how about this? And um, in the rapid firing of guesses, someone mentioned <laughs> the ski area where skiing still has its soul. Okimo? Magic Mountain. Yes, Magic Ray. I'm on the board. Magic Mountain, Londonderry, and uh, they are um, actually you might want to look at them in terms of checking them out because they did one. They did something that no other ski area, or at least not that many, did. They actually cut their price of their. I think it's their season pass. I don't know if their their day tickets if they actually cut prices, but they actually cut their prices of their season pass compared to last year. Um, as a way just to recognize the uncertainty of the ski season. So magic, definitely check them out. Um, and they're not too far. Okay. Well, let's go to, um, we'll do two more. So we're halfway through ski it. If you can, this is a popular bumper sticker on mad river Glen. Sean got it. That's right. Mad river Glen. Yes, sir. Up in Waitsfield. Yeah. Mad river is the home of the single chair. Um, do they still not allow snowboarders, do you know? That used to be their thing, right? You couldn't sure snowboard do. there. You had to be sure, sure don't. Sure don't. You can't snowboard? No. no. Which I think is kind of awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're one of the Where's last. Where's this thing I need to be going there? <laughs> They're one of the last remaining. I think it's them, Alta, and out in Utah, and another one. But uh, Really? Yeah, they're, uh, they have the single chair. It's like the only, I think it's either the mountain or the actual chairlift is like on the National Register of Historic Places. Pretty wild. Uh, or it's a national historic landmark. Uh, Sean, doing quite well. Well done. Two more, and then we will um, regroup for the uh, final push here, guys. Um, ski. Okay, this is fun. So there's a missing word, which is the name of the ski area. It is actually, it's definitely in southern Vermont. Ski blank before everyone else does. So this is actually an older way old tagline so before we we're all born ski blank before everyone else does it's in way southern vermont what's and the southernmost one is it mount snow that's the first one you hit it, it might have a different name snow? oh it haystack yes haystack well done it's the other side of the same mountain yeah and it's now owned as a private ski club, uh, the Hermitage Club now. But yeah, and private ski club. Oh, that's where that yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. I see signs on eighty four for that sometimes. Yes, I think they went bankrupt too. They uh, they definitely had a bumpy road uh, in terms of the private club, uh, let alone the commercial uh, ski area operation. Yeah. Interesting. And finally, we are wrapping it up. One more question on this game, and then we'll move on. This tagline was from 1990. Quote, Vermont's mountain on the rise. Lindsay, you should definitely get this one. Where were you skiing Scutney? in 1990? <laughs> yes, Scutney. <laughs> well, that's embarrassing. 
I mean, right. I don't think I was remembering taglines when I was like seven years old. Yeah, probably not. Yep, yeah. that's right. Not a Scotty, Vermont's Mountain on the Rise. So how about that? <laughs> They just needed to. They, they should bring it back. I mean, that's really. Yeah, a, that's a good they one. They should bring it back. That's a good the timing would be great. So when you guys run for the board, uh, that should we'll be make hats, for, uh, bumper stickers. That's right. That's it. That's it. All right. So after two games, tighten it up a little bit. Sean got uh, got some points back there. It is uh, eight to seven to four. Oof. So uh, don't worry. Don't worry. There's plenty of time. Ray, I think you can go get a beer now. I think you're yeah, about to say. I think there's plenty of time point. for anyone who's not in the uh, lead. If you need to take a break, please do. I'm going to pull up a share screen for this next game, or you could just wait. <laughs> All right. So this uh, third this third game, this is uh, multiple choice. the tr The game is called Trail or Fail, otherwise known as old trail map trivia Ooh. Ooh. so i'm going to show you briefly an old trail map of a mountain on the rise and oh, i'm just going to show it to you then i'll tell you what's going to happen is there we go all right so that is a i want to say mid-aughts trail map although there was no there was no oh, yeah, Terminator. Uh, I remember Terminator. Yeah, I want you to. I'm gonna give you like maybe. I'll give you a few, a few few seconds here just to look at it. Maybe check out some names. If I zoom in, I don't want to make it too blurry because it's not that uh, great of a. Uh, it's not the greatest. Uh, the face. That's the first one they cut. See how wide it is. Yeah. All right. I kind of up there. Yeah, I don't know if they really look. <laughs> All right, you got about five, four, three, two. So again, listeners, I'm showing them an old trail map from uh, probably the mid-aughts. Could be Green 90s. Green Eagle, yes. Okay, all right. Three, two, one. All right. So there's a little refresher about, you know, the, uh, the former – uh, full mountain. So what we're going to do now, again, the name, the name of the game is trail or fail. So I'm going to give you four trail names. Okay. And so you'll have them all there. They're all real based on that map. However, I've, I've categorized them based on double diamond, single square and green. And there's an imposter in your options. So you have four trails in each of those categories, but there's one that's an imposter and it is, it is not a trail, it is a fail. Okay. And you need to identify the imposter. That's what the game is. Okay. So uh, does that make sense? Yeah. You need, okay. So again, this is multiple choice. So you can just guess wildly if you have no idea. <laughs> and if you are not in the lead, you probably want to guess what someone else is not guessing. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> All right, here we go. We'll start with the double diamonds. Okay, double diamonds, upper mountain, not a scudney in the aughts. Blind faith, free fall, hot shot, or the Neverglades. So double diamonds, blind faith, free fall, hot shot, or the Neverglades. We will start with Sean as he is in the lead. What is not a double diamond out of those four trails? 
never again, leaves. they're all real trail names so they're just i'm just i mixed a couple up you said I don't, I don't think they were known for uh for tree skiing so i'm gonna say neverglades okay uh lindsay can you see him again sorry sure blind faith free fall hot shot or the neverglades free fall all right ray do you need him again uh no uh neverglades you are all incorrect, sadly. Really? Hot Shot. Oh. Hot Shot is a single black diamond. The others Ooh. are double black diamonds. So, no points are awarded. Shame. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. We, we watch Game of Thrones, so that's still burned in my head. Um, okay, black diamonds. Here we go. Starting with Sean again. Heartbeat, Ledges, Terminator, or Touch and Go? Ledges and Terminator, I think, are real. What was the first one? Heartbeat? So again, they're all real according to that map. I, they're all just mixed up in terms of that right. one imposter. Uh, again, Heartbeat, Ledges, Terminator, Touch and Go. I'm going to say Heartbeat. Uh, Lindsay. We got to go through everybody before I uh, reveal. Touch and Go, maybe? Ray. Uh, was one of them Legends? Legends. Uh, ledges. Ledges. Um, I'll go with ledges. Someone got it right. Her name is Lindsay. It is touch and go. A touch and go is a double diamond. Well done. Uh, okay. Okay. Blue square. Here we go. Enchanted. Honeybee. Milky Way. Raven's Pass. We will start with us. Oh, keep the order just so I don't get confused. <laughs> I'm going to say Raven's Pass. Lindsay. Honeybee, maybe? Ray. Raven's Pass. Lindsay, I, tell, I knew you'd be good at this game. Honeybee! <laughs> that sounds like a great game. Like a little baby honeybee. That's it. That's where you're going to take the, uh, the kitties. All <laughs> right. Green circle. Here we go. Buttermilk, duck soup, east wind, mirage. Sean. Duck soup. Lindsay. What, this is green circle? Yes, green circles. Buttermilk, duck soup, east wind, mirage. Hey, Lindsay, I see the, uh, the backlighting changing consistently from what's shining on your face. Are you guys are good at trail map. <laughs> That's not kids? me. My phone's dead. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, me. I don't even know where you get that map. Oh, believe me, it took me a while to find it, and it is grainy as hell. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was having a hard time reading it when you had it on the screen. Um, was, was one mirage? Yes, one was Mirage. Mirage. You're gonna go with Mirage. Ray, what about what about you? Ooh, one was one one of them was East Wing. East Wind. East Wind, I'll go with that. It is Mirage. Lindsay oh, is taking this. Uh yeah, she's pretty much Close took the, the round. Um, yeah, Mirage is the square and uh, going back, yeah, honeybee is the circle in the blue square. I forgot to mention that. And uh, yeah, I mentioned the other ones. Okay. So we obviously did all the different trail uh, designations. How about we'll do one question with lifts. So former three real lifts and then an imposter lift. Of course, the imposter lift never existed, unlike how I mixed up the other trails. So I'm looking for the imposter lift on that former trail map. We will continue the order, okay. even though Lindsay has taken the lead. Sean, lifts, what is the imposter? North Peak, Snow Dance, Summit, or Sunrise? Summit. Lindsay. 
Mm. What were the choices again? We got North Peak, Snowdance, Summit, or Sunrise. So I think there is a Snowdance. Ooh, deductive reason. We're going through the list. Oh, I like it. Okay. Mm, um, <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Sun, what was it? Sundance? Or no, um, There's a snow dance and a sunrise, a summit, and a north peak. Sunrise, maybe? Oh. Ray. Ooh, north peak. Sweeney, you got it. We got a uh, summit is the imposter. There was a North Peak, a snow dance, and a sunrise. So after North Peak went to the summit, which is why I guessed summit was not. Ah, there's some deductive reason. Yeah, I, was, well I, was I was thinking going that the there way. must have been one that went to the summit. So I was like, oh, there's a summit. All I thought right. either North Peak or summit was the imposter. Well, hey guys, we got a game here. Let me tell you, this is fantastic. We got Lindsay taking the lead in the uh, trailer fail game. Well done, 10 points, followed by Sean with nine. And Ray, you got five in the game because if it's Powderhead's, Powderhound's podcast <laughs> <laughs> game, there's a final Jeff Party question. So. One more question, then you guys can get back to your lives tonight. Uh, this final Jeff Purdy question is from, uh, let's see, freeskier.com. So just like Jeopardy, uh, which I'm, I'm really enjoying, uh, you know, in the, in the spirit of Alex Trebek, and I certainly was my favorite game show watching uh, for many years. So I'm, I'm adopting his, uh, this, this namesake here. We are going to ask you a final question course before I read it to you there will be three hints to the final question before I read it to you you need to wager your points okay if you get it question right you add that amount of points to your total if you get it wrong you subtract it so everybody is in the game so the uh, let's see uh, in Jeop in jeopardy they usually give you a theme so obviously it's <laughs> It's skiing in Vermont, I guess, is the theme. Vermont skiing. Vermont skiing. Uh, yeah, that's going to be your theme. So wagers, I believe uh, the rules are going from least points to the most. So, Ray, you got your five points. Uh, what would you like to wager here? Ooh, I think I got to wager all of them. I think you do, too. So that is, uh, that is affirmative. Five. Sean, how many would you like to uh, wager here? All of them. Go big or go home. Wow. Nine mm. points. That puts some pressure on you, Lindsay. Ten points. Uh, I guess, you know, well, I mean, maybe not because, you know, if you, you – yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Hmm. Well, look at you, Sean. Wow. You're going to wager all – okay. I will – Because if uh, you go no, then in theory you get it right or wrong. <laughs> and uh, Ray gets it right, you'd be tied. Wow, this is interesting. Didn't yeah, see that so coming, if Sean. If Ray gets it right, he's tied <laughs> with me. If Just Sean gets one. it right, he beats me, obviously. Yeah. Well, unless you bet the farm. Ooh, so exciting. Interesting. This I'm is... already beating him. Yeah. You need to bet nine, matter. technically. Yeah. Right. That's, That's a good point, because if Ray and I both get it wrong and we're at zero, it'll be embarrassing if you won with one point, but it could That's happen. A, you need to, that's you need, what's happening. 
That's what's happening. Nine to nine to beat Sean. Technically. Yeah. And then there's just going to be a Jeff pretty off, which has never happened before. If that I'm happens, just, if you I'm guys just are not going to wager any. Oh, really? I'm hoping Sean gets it wrong. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wait, no, wait. I want to wager one. So I beat Ray. Sorry. Yeah. That's, what, that's definitely yeah. what you want to do. One, that's much one. safer. Yeah. Um, this is very interesting because now I'm thinking too, now I might, I might, so the, okay, this is fun. All right. Yes. So we're locked in. All right. Ray betting the farm five, Sean betting the farm, going bigger, go home nine, Lindsay with the lead. Either way, she's basically, she's going to win. Let's be honest. Unless Sean gets it right. She's good. She's golden. Unless Sean gets it right. All right. Here we go. So actually what I'm gonna need um, Ray and Lindsay to do is if you have a scrap piece of scrap paper, because you're both gonna have your, you, you'd say you could type it in the chat, your answer, or you could just show, flash it on the screen real quick. Uh, Sean, so you want me to put it in the chat then? Or you could, if you have a scrap paper, whatever you do. Yeah, I've got some right Cool, all right. <laughs> this is so. I wish we were all together. This is where like the, the Zoom thing. I think doesn't... in Jeopardy we would have wrote our wager though on the paper. <laughs> I know, I know. That's true. <laughs> I was just thinking that actually as we as we say that. Um, but uh, this yeah, this is kind of more fun. This is more fun. Can you read that? Uh, love it, love it. Yes, that's good, man. All right, love it. Uh, yeah, this is Jeff Purdy, not Jeopardy. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Hint number, oh, so the question is, how many, so the good news is, it's a, the answer is a number. So, okay. yay. What, what I was debating was, do I, unless someone gets it right, exactly, exactly right, yeah, do I do the closest, or do I do the closest? Like I come over? We'll see how it goes, and then I'll decide uh, which, which way to actually award it, but. So the question is, how many ski areas are part of the Green Mountain Spine? So the spine is uh, basically the short name for the Green Mountains that essentially uh, run the entire length of the state of Vermont. And uh, yeah, that's where I think Sean was mentioning, sort of that's where most of the snow dump comes from along the, those high peaks. So I'm looking for a number. How many ski areas are part of the Green Mountain Spine? And I'm gonna give you three hints, starting with the hardest, and hopefully it goes down to the easiest. Again, don't shout out loud, you're writing this down. And um, yeah, here we go. So these aren't like, these are kind of like, <laughs> they're not exactly easy hints, but they're creative hints. Hint number one, equal interstates. Hint number two, a long skier's highway. Hint number three, mountains, forget one. So again, we're looking for a number. So even if those hints meant nothing to you, we're just looking for a number. How many ski areas are part of the Green Mountain Spine? Hint number one, equal interstates. Hint number two, a long skier's highway. Hint number three, Mountains, forget one. Hmm. Would, uh, yeah, that's, uh, those are, <laughs> did that make any sense? Were the hints helpful? Just out of curiosity? Maybe. We'll see if I got it right or not. <laughs> that means no. 
Okay. Um, everybody good? Or you want me to read it one more time? Looking good. Okay. We will start with, um, we'll start with, actually, I guess you can announce it yourself, uh, Ray. Uh. Channeling my, my inner jittery. Okay. We have a, a 14. We have 14. And um, why don't we, before I reveal, just to build some intrigue, let's, uh, let's get the others. Uh, Sean, I think you were at nine. If what is 11? What? <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is okay. Jeff Purdy, <laughs> but I like your style. I All right, like Lindsay. Probably way off. I said five. I said five. Okay, we have 14. Uh, what is 11 oh, and five? Uh, never mind. I had another guess, but go ahead. Let's hear it. So this is really interesting. First of all, if we were to play Jeopardy rules. No one got it. No one, no one got it. And Lindsay won the game <laughs> because everyone betted the farm. However, because it's Jeff Purdy, and I, I'm, really, I'm really digging this, uh, just, just stealing a few more minutes of your, of your night, the correct answer was eight. Ooh. Okay. Which means that Lindsay was three away with five and Sean was three away with 11. Oh okay. So, those mountains, just so you know, but while I uh, stall to think of a tiebreaker, uh, Mount Snow, Dover, Magic in Londonderry, Okemo in Ludlow, Killington, Sugarbush in Warren, Mad, Mad River. Glenn, Stowe, and Jay Peak are your eight ski areas on the spine. Um, so I guess the tiebreaker, like, what do you think the, the hints meant? Any of the hints? So I don't necessarily get the interstate reference. Okay. Equal, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, so the equal there uh, was four off 91 and four off 89. So that was the oh, all right. interstate. Oh. Gotcha. Uh, what about the other two? Along Skiers Highway? Mountains Forget One? Nothing? No. <laughs> okay. So Along the Skiers Highway is sort of the, uh, the Skiers Highway is sort of the, uh, I guess the nickname for Route 100 that kind of parallels the spine. Yep. Uh, so that's what that was. And then, yeah, Mountains Forget One wasn't really great, but it was really just the word mountains is nine letters. Oh my I told God. You to forget okay. one to get you to eight. So just to let you know a little bit of how my mind works. <laughs> so that's how I that's, was really you know. trying to figure out the mountain to forget one. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. It's gonna get it's gonna get really weird from here. So we're gonna go with a random uh, tiebreaker question here. Um, let's see. How about what ski area, which was already. Let's see. Yeah. What ski area, which we already mentioned in a previous game, is low-key, stoke-heavy, pow-hungry, shot-ski-friendly, shredder-centric mountain in all of Vermont? That's from their website. One more time. You, uh, you each get it. Yeah, write it down. That way uh, you each have a chance. So again, we said it already in terms of it's a Southern Vermont mountain. I'll give you that hint. Uh, from their website, low key, stoke heavy, pow hungry, shot ski friendly, shredder centric mountain 
in all of Vermont. I'll give you a hint. It ain't Killington and a $170 lift ticket. <laughs> this is a, yeah, I'll give you another hint. It is not on a mega pass. Mm, I have no Ooh. idea. All right. What do we got? Throw them up. Let's see. What is Bromley? What is Bromley? And oh no, no one got it. Man River. It is actually magic. Ah, is, Ray, oh my God. Ray to whisper that to me. He's like, no, it's not. I was like, okay. All right. All right. Ah. All right. Let's see here. <laughs> Going for the double bonus. I feel like we're in a basketball game and now it's double overtime. Um, let's go with um, let's go with what ski area is known for the legendary opre ski scene off the access road. And this uh, actually, no hints, but we definitely mentioned it uh, quite a bit in this episode. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is an easy one. Oh, all right, maybe okay. Ooh. So we'll see. Rick's yeah, oh. <laughs> like, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> I don't know, Lens. Sean seems confident. Sean does seem confident. What legendary? Um, yeah. What mountain uh, legendary opera ski scene along their access road? So a lot of uh, a lot of bars, a lot of restaurants along the access road. Well, this might not be fair if I can if I'm thinking back to where Lindsay said she hasn't skied. But uh, hey, you know what? This is where we're at, guys. This is. This I'll is, give you guys a hint. This is our oh oh. There there have been several really wild weekends there. Ray, you haven't gone, but most of your friends have. All right, let's see the pieces of paper, gentlemen and lady. What is Killington? All right, let's see what Lindsay's uh, got right Lindsay's there. writing right now, so. <laughs> That's what I had. There it is, Killington, I see All it. Right. Triple, triple overtime. Oh, man, this is a record. That, that is what I had. Wow. I right. swear to God, that's what I had. Let's see. Okay, let's go with, um, hmm. Let's go with some, let's go with some, uh, yeah, let's go with some, some, some central Vermont. Um, let's go with some central Vermont trivia. What ski area, it's not a tagline or a slogan, but a logo. What ski area has a bear as its logo? Now it has, it, what? what ski area, Southern Vermont uh, ski area has a bear as its logo? Like in, you know, it's uh, Southern or central? I think I said, you know, Southern, uh, Southern. Yeah. It has been mentioned in the, the episode, not, not a lot, but it was mentioned. Um, I think uh, there's some desire to, for one of you to ski there at some point in time. So those are your hints it's been mentioned and it, uh, someone wants to ski there. Uh, a bear is the logo not only the logo of the of the mountain, but there's a big like wooden bear statue at the at the summit. I think it's that. that? Write it down. This is so funny. You guys got pieces of paper, and like we're living in like 2021. This is like hilarious. All right, pieces of paper. What do we got? Oh my god! Oh my god. This is Whoa! <laughs> 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 quadruple overtime. This is like Yukon, Syracuse, in the Big East. 
<laughs> oh my God, no one's oh, sleeping man. tonight. Um, all right, running out of ideas here. No, not, not at all. Ask a math question, I'll get it wrong. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's go with this. What, um, what central Vermont ski area has a famous uh, fast food joint right at the base of the mountain called Tacos Tacos? We've mentioned the the name of the area has come up, although I think most central and southern Vermont ski areas have come up in the episode so far. Um, we have not mentioned it so far in this game, so it's narrowed down. What ski area, central Vermont, has a restaurant at the base called Tacos Tacos? Pieces of paper, please. In five, four, three, two, one. <laughs> no, both are wrong. <laughs> tacos, right, tacos. Guess, that guess. would be Okimo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But we are. We are no, 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 hold on a minute. Hold on. I don't remember the tacos, base of the tacos. Yeah. There's Tom's Loft right there. Yeah, you got it. no base. Like, like I'm sorry. I guess I should have said. Uh, all right, that was a little bit of miswording with my part. It's actually like on the like off the access road. But it's like right there. Okay. I mean, it's right at the bottom of the mountain. All right, that's my fault. But I just want to point out that now we are on the fifth overtime. We are running out of questions, except for we're really not because there's so many questions. What ski area in southern Vermont used to have an outdoor hot tub slash pool at the base of the mountain, literally at the base of the mountain, like near the chairlift? Okay big outdoor heated pool at the base like on top of the lodge totally how legit. long ago are we talking about i mean yeah when we were you know before our time <laughs> so it was a while ago southern vermont not that many options guys has not been an answer yet totally legit uh yeah and it uh yeah it's it's someone's mentioned it in passing uh in the episode southern vermont Heated pool on top of the base lodge. And are we ready? I wrote something down. It's probably not right. For a win in the fifth overtime. Oh, good. Oh, Let's see him. I know. Oh, no. I think you. Right. No, we have a winner. Ray, Ray Googled it and told me the answer, but I didn't cheat. <laughs> All right. Well done. Ready? Dirty scoundrel. Love it. <laughs> hey, man. You know what? Let me tell you. There are no losers on Powderhounds podcast here. Trivia games are meant to be just a ball of laughs. Sean, well done. Five overtimes. I really don't know if that's ever going to be beat, but uh, I'm glad. I'm sure glad that we were able to make that magic happen tonight. So one thing I intentionally left out of the introduction uh, was actually our infamous viewing party in the, the center during UConn uh men's i uh, probably in women's basketball ncaa championship run in 2011. now if memory serves me ray i think Lindsay and sean were with me and penner at mcladden's to watch the game does that sound right to anybody so far yeah yeah vaguely okay that would have been the spot does anyone remember what happened that night besides comically poor offense the final score was 53 to 41. <laughs> but you kind of did win, so it didn't, didn't really matter. What happened was the feed to the 
high definition television broadcast unexpectedly cut out uh, at the bar. So we literally, it was the start of the second half. Do you remember this? Does anyone remember yeah. this? Yeah. 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 So we were like frantic. Like uproar. Yeah. Absolute uproar. People were screaming, going nuts. And like. Because you had to go to the bar to watch that game, didn't you? Like it wasn't on regular cable or something, right? Or I don't even know. It didn't stop us. But yes, we were there and it was absolute chaos. It was insanity. People were screaming. So when it, as I recall anyway, like we couldn't even find like our wait staff to settle up. So as I recall, we literally just got our waltzes threw cash on the table and just left to go find some other place in the hopes that it wasn't like a national outage. It was just, you know, something wrong with their feed. And that actually happened to be the case. <laughs> so we actually ran down the street to Max Berger and watched the game there, which oh, we comfortably won. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's I remember right. the Max Berger party. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We actually were able to actually get seated too. It was like, it couldn't have worked out better. Um, so in that spirit of the UConn and men's women's uh, basketball chasing yet another championship the coveted prize for our winner today sean is <laughs> oh nice you guys know about this <laughs> i think that ray should get <laughs> hey. didn't we used to have that on the table at margaritas at yukon is that the same hot sauce yes absolutely so yeah. not only does this not only does this have symbolic like undergrad significance but as you may have uh, may or may not know, uh, some hot sauce UConn basketball hot sauce challenge went viral on Twitter. Like in the last week, some uh, a guy, a big UConn fan, apparently posted on Twitter that he would do a show. Uh, I heard about that hot sauce if UConn came back from. I think they were down 18 to Marquette, and they sure enough came back. And sure enough, he posted the video shortly thereafter of taking a shot of ghost oh. pepper hot sauce. Oh. So, so this is not this for listeners. This is Cholua, so it's yeah. much more tame, pretty mild, <laughs> and very very tasty actually. Uh, but yeah, so in the spirit of that challenge, and uh, yeah, just to. Um, to uh, give a nod to margaritas and what was it, two for one Wednesdays? Uh, that is somehow going to wind up in Sean's mailbox, I guess. And we'll just call the episode Hot Sauce in the Mailbox. Um, so that, <laughs> that's sort of it. But congratulations, Sean. Thanks for playing, guys. Um, this last se segment, if you will, called Last Chair. Is there anything else that you want to throw out there, say about Mount Escutney, say about skiing, saying about, you know, the future of, uh, you know, your, your passion, enthusiasm for the sport that we have not covered, or are you good just sort of bowing out? Sean, just dreaming about that Cholula hot sauce and uh, just catching us, uh, catching the pod next time. Last call. I can't think of anything. Um, no, I think I'm good. Five overtimes. That probably was, was all you needed. <laughs> well, hey, we will leave it there. If there's no other uh, comments, follow Mount Escutney Outdoors at escutneyoutdoors.org. Also follow them on Facebook and Instagram. We will leave it there. Thank you again, Lindsay, Ray, and Sean for joining me today. See you on the slopes, powder hounds. Thank you. Thanks, Jeff. Everybody. You Looks like it's four o'clock. Time to catch the last chair. Thank you to my guests, Lindsay, Ray, and Sean. Thank you for listening. Have a question, comment, or correction? Contact me on Twitter at PowderHoundSkis. You can also subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast Manager, Verbal, 
Spotify, and Stitcher. Just type Powderhounds Podcast. Until next time, see you on the slopes, Powderhounds.